Our second reading this morning is from Exodus chapter 3, verses 1 to 15. And in the Pew Bibles it's found on page 60. Now, Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the far side of the desert and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses, and Moses said, Here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. At this Moses hid his face, because he was afraid to look at God. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of your people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians, and to bring them up out of that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites and Jebusites. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me, and I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go, I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And God said, I will be with you, and this will be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. Moses said to God, Suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, What is his name? Then what shall I tell them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, Say to the Israelites, The Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob, has sent me to you. This is my name forever, the name by which I am to be remembered from generation to generation. This is the word of the Lord. <coughs> Thank you, uh, Stephen, for reading God's word to us this morning. A wonderful passage, a great uh, text in, in the scriptures. Uh, we're going to work through this uh, text this morning, so let, uh, let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Uh, we thank you for who you are. And Lord, we pray right now that your spirit will work in our hearts and lives to give us 
attentive ears, receptive hearts. Lord, I pray for myself. Please forgive me for my sins. Reduce me for your glory to help build your people up in the faith that together we will grow in our love for Christ. In Jesus' name, Amen. Recognize the, uh, the guy on the clip there? I'm sure you have. Uh, Richard Dawkins. Um, it's a clip that's also titled, Somebody as intelligent as Jesus would have been an atheist. That's what he says. Who is this God? To follow that. Uh, why have you concealed yourself? Which God are you? Zeus or Baal or, or, or which other God? Well, I have. Uh, in a time when the new atheists in this world are pushing an agenda, including, of course, the well-known one, uh, Rich Dawkins with the God Delusion. Um, the other guys in the past, uh, we think of Sigmund, uh, Sigmund Freud and uh, Nietzsche and uh, others, uh, Karl Marx, uh, the current guys, Christopher Hutchins, and all of these guys, uh, push a, a, a kind of a strong agenda uh, pushing their thoughts into this world, writing vigorously to challenge uh, who God is, and particularly their, their challenges to challenge the God of Christianity. Who is this God? Well, who is this God that you and I worship today? Who is he? Uh, what is his name? How has he spoken to us? Uh, do we take him seriously? Do we believe in God in the first instance? How can we prove that God exists? Significant questions, isn't it? Show me your God and then I will believe. Why doesn't God do the miracles that he did many years ago? Why does he separate the waters? Why doesn't he just show up one day, rock up one day somewhere and everyone will believe? Wouldn't that be kind of the miraculous thing? Saying, wow, this is the God who, uh, who is speaking now. Well, it doesn't work that way. He does miracles. He changes and transforms lives. And he gives us the ability and the faith to believe in him. So today, uh, we're going to look at Exodus chapter 3, 1 to 15, as our text. And I've titled the message, The God Who Is I Am. And we're going to look at this passage, so please keep your Bibles open to that. To Exodus chapter 3, uh, 1 to 15, we're going to look at three points today. The call, the question, and the answer. There is a call that has been issued here by God. There is a question that has been raised. And there is the answer that God gives. You see, friends, let me give you the context here very quickly. God's chosen people of Israel lived as strangers in Egypt. And they were being treated as slaves under very harsh and oppressive conditions. 
during the long period, the king of Egypt, uh, Exodus chapter 2, 23 to 25, during the lo- that long period, the king of Egypt died. The Israelites groaned in their slavery and cried out. Their cry for help because their slavery went up to God. God heard their groaning and he remembered his covenant with Abraham and with Isaac and with Jacob. So God looked on the Israelites and was concerned about them. That was the situation. They were out there in Egypt under such oppressive conditions. Living there under a foreign regime. Crying out to God. And God heard their cries. He used their cries in response also, as we will see in a moment, to his covenant promises that he has made to Abraham. His relationship that is already established with Abraham, with Isaac and with Jacob. And he keeps repeating this in this section there. Reminding Moses, reminding the people that he is the God of all promises. And so God promised Abraham over 400 years ago that his descendants would be held in captivity and that they would be brought out of captivity. And because of his promise, he responds to their cries and he puts in place an amazing deliverance for them, which we read in the book of Exodus, which some of you, I'm sure most of us would have read, and stand in awe with the amazing miracles that God did in leading his people out of Egypt. So he keeps his promise. And the exodus from Egypt is God fulfilling his promise through an amazing and series of miraculous events. And the person to lead them out of Egypt is Moses. Now Moses himself, as we know the story perhaps, was amazingly delivered from the hand of Pharaoh by Pharaoh's daughter. We read of this account in, in Exodus chapter Moses' his name essentially means this I drew out of water or drawn out of the water That is the name the Pharaoh's daughter gave him After pulling him out of the river Nile Even though he was rescued by Pharaoh's daughter And he, 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 um, in, in the promises of God He was given to the care of his mother Remember that story? And the little sister there Can I get someone to look after this baby? Of course you can, Pharaoh's daughter said Take him, let, let this person nurse him. And in the providence of God, Moses ends up being taken care of by his mother. But then, things happen, doesn't it, in, in Moses' life. In chapter 2, verse 10, when a child grew older, Exodus chapter 2, verse 10, she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter, that is the mother, and he became her son, Pharaoh's daughter's son. And she named him Moses because he, she said, I drew him out of the water. So he was raised in the household of Pharaoh. And then he fled from Pharaoh in fear because he had killed an Egyptian who was mistreating a Hebrew man. And so we see in in the map there that he had fled from Egypt over the border there to a place called Midian. And near Midian, in Exodus chapter 3 verse 1, Moses was keeping keeping the flock of his father in the Jethro, the priest of Midian. And he led his flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. You see, Moses was a shepherd. As you look through the Bible, it's quite amazing and remarkable, isn't it? The shepherds, they come around all the time. Right? Yeah, Moses is shepherd in his flock. You think of the psalmist, David, 
When you play the beautiful hymn or the, sorry, the beautiful psalm, the Lord is my shepherd. Jesus speaks of himself as the good shepherd. When Christ was born, the angels came to the shepherds. There is something about shepherds in the Bible. And again, Moses is there. And uh, he is he's a good son-in-law. Right? He's looking after his father-in-law's sheep. Great son-in-law. Anyway. So he was a shepherd. It was just another ordinary day, but things were going to change. Things were going to dramatically change. And so we see the call here. In Exodus chapter 3, verses 2 and 4, And, and the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. He looked and behold, the bush was burning, yet it was not consumed. And Moses said, I will turn aside to see this great sight while the bush is not burned. And so, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire. And he saw a bush burning, but not being actually burned up. Won't you be puzzled? We see the recent bush fires. Terrible. Behold, it consumes everything in its pathway. Most things. Some houses are miraculously escaped. I don't know how those things happen. But there is a fire and it consumes everything, generally speaking. And this bush is on fire, but the herbs and the stones are not being burned up. And so he goes to investigate this strange sight. Now speaking of the burning bush, friends, have you noticed the carving on our beautiful pulpit here? What, what, a, what a beautiful work here we have, this pulpit. I, I think it's, it's magnificent work here. Done by uh, John Blogg, who, who did this carving. It's a magnificent work here. Uh, somebody estimated the massive, I won't say the price, they've told me what it's worth. <laughs> Every panel is worth a significant, massive amount of money. I was staggered when I heard that. Right. The, the, the history, and, and we have this burning bush, the, the carving on our beautiful uh, pulpit here. And I will ask, then I ask, why was God using the burning bush to speak to Moses and directly to his people? The answer could be that fire is a symbol of the presence, the holiness of God, and his care for his people. Let me explain this. In Genesis chapter 3, 24, God placed the cherubim at the gate with the fiery swords, Genesis 3, 24, to guard the entrance of Eden, marking his holiness. There was fire. Exodus 19:18 again, the fire is a symbol of the presence of God, and as the, as the pillar of fire follows the children of Israel in their journey through the wilderness, it is said to be the sign of the presence of God. And so some people say that this could symbolize that when God's people were going through the trials by fire, as it were, they will not be consumed. Why? Because God was with them. You get the point? There is some teaching going on here. And he has the comfort and everlasting protection upon his people that he is in the middle of their fires in life. And they will not be consumed. You see, the church of Jesus Christ has survived every attack, has it not? And continues to survive. You see, this church, 2016, when we prayed this morning, we prayed, Lord, have your own way at St. Stephen's Presbyterian Church, correct? Lord, let nothing, no one, nor anything hinder the progress of the gospel of Christ because you are bigger 
than us. I always remember that, friends, as leading you by God's grace. I'll just say this this year, on the, to the end of this month, actually, will be 14 years that we are here at St. Stephen's. It's a long time, isn't it? Well, maybe it's, you might think, well, how long is this guy going to stay? I don't know. But the point is, I always think, every year and all the time, I say, Lord, you are bigger than myself, you're bigger than the elders, you're bigger than all of us, and I trust you to build your church here. Because you are our God. In the midst of the fires, God stands. And he says, you will not be consumed. Moses, my people will not be consumed. Take this lesson here. So the burial bush became a symbol of the church to make the point that though the church goes through the fires of persecution, it will not be consumed. In fact, the Scottish church uh, used it as their motto. All Scots here, you'll know that, right? And the Latin motto is used today by many Presbyterian churches throughout the world, including ours here in Australia. In fact, as I mentioned, this beautiful carving on our, on our pulpit has this word, these words, Nectarmen Consumer Bartur, which means, it's my little Latin there, means not much, but anyway, Nect means not, Tarmen is aware, and Consumer Bartur means it is not being consumed and can be translated not however it is being consumed or it could be translated as this and yet it was not consumed. And then notice what we see here in, in 3.4 When the Lord saw that he, he, he turned aside to see God called to him out of the bush Moses, Moses he said Here I am. And he said Here I am. You see God is gracious and speaks to him from the burning bush. And did you notice this? I'm sure you did. God called him by his name. <laughs> Moses. That's not remarkable as well. See, God addresses Moses by his name. And that tells me something as I was preparing this mission. I thought, wow. You see, God is establishing and establishing a relationship. And he calls him by name. Just as he would call us by name. Christian, you put your name there. You are mine. And God speaks to Moses from this burning bush. Here I am. And verses 5 and 6, and he said, Do not come near. Take off your sand. Take your sandals off your feet. For the place on which you are standing is holy ground. And he said, I am the God of your father. Remember this? The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. This was the holiness of God. Next Sunday we are going to look at the Holy God. You see, God is separate. He is pure. He is holy. He is completely other. And Moses cannot come across. Take off your sandals. You cannot come into my presence. Because there has been no atonement that has been done, Moses. Because if you come close to the, to, in, into my presence, what, what would happen to Moses? You die. Because nothing can come close to the presence of God until, unless and until there has been a total done for sin. So you are standing on holy ground. You see, our God is holy. More about that next week. And now the time for deliverance has come. God had seen the suffering, 79, of his people in Egypt. And God chooses Moses to be the leader. He says this in, in 
chapter 3, 10 to 12. Come, I will send you to Pharaoh, and you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I, that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? He said, But I will be with you, and this shall be the sign for you that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. And we see then the question. Moses says in verse 13, Then Moses said to God, If I come to the people of Israel and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? Mm-hmm. Moses asked a direct question. Notice that the problem here, if you look at the text carefully, was not with Pharaoh. Moses did not have a problem with Pharaoh at this point in time. Where was the problem? <laughs> you look at the scriptures here. The problem was with the people of Israel. What shall I say to your people? What will they ask me? Who is this God? The problem was God's people. You see, Moses had left about 40 years ago from Egypt. And now God says to, uh, to him, go back and lead my people out. Now why would God's people believe Moses when he had left them 40 years ago? And the question was specific. If I come to the people of Israel and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, what is his name? What shall I say to them? You see, Moses would have learnt about God from his mother. And the question for him was, I think in some way, was a matter of trust. Don't you think so? We and the people be able to trust God. A name usually associated with a person, a name is usually associated with a person with his or her character. When you think of somebody, you think of their character, their person, their name. And God in some sense indirectly answers this question. He had given Moses a show and tell lesson with the burning bush. God had shown himself to be eternal. Notice that the flame did not go off and the bush was not consumed. Alright? <laughs> the fire in the burning bush was not sustained by any outside factors. There was no 40 degree days. Maybe there was, I don't know at the time. There was no strong wind that caused this fire to come. God sustained this fire. It was independent of external factors. It was entirely independent to keep it going. And so in the burning bush, God gave Moses a show and tell lesson and to his people. And the lesson is this. That is, he is eternal. This flame is an eternal flame. Nobody is going to put it out. Nobody started it. It is self-sustaining. It is not dependent on anything. And God is saying to Moses, you need to know me as the eternal one. This God Almighty, the Lord in God, you know, El Shaddai. I remember listening to those songs, El Shaddai. I wouldn't sing it, but I loved it because it gives gives us a picture of who our God is. I do like God. You see, this is who God is, and and and, and that's what Moses is learning here. You see, God is saying, you, I, you can't trust me, Moses. You see, I am sustaining this fire. It is me. I am the eternal one. No one puts me out. No one brings me in. <laughs> That's the point, isn't it? So Moses asked God for his name. 
Notice the answer. See, God is gracious to Moses and answers his specific question. See, God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, say this to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. And in verse 15, God also said to Moses, say this to the people of Israel. And you need to look at your text as well here. The Lord, I don't know whether your Bible has the capital letters for the word Lord there. Perhaps it does, right? Uh, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Again, you see this formula. God of Abraham, God of Isaac, God of Jacob. Coming out stronger. As sent me to you. This is my name. And thus I am to be remembered throughout all generations. You see the word Lord comes from the Hebrew word Yehovah. Or it can be translated as Yahweh. And, and, and the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, Yahweh. This is my name forever. It is almost translated as, as Lord in, in, in the capital. It isn't always translated that way. And in the Hebrew it is pronounced something like this. Yah, Yahweh, Yahweh. And... Uh, Hallelujah, when you say, we, we sang Hallelujah, right, this morning. Hallelujah. That, that, that's, again, Yahweh is coming there. That, that's part of the name. Hallelujah. Yahweh. Coming God. And the name Yahweh is associated or related to the word to be as in the phrase, I am who I am. 3.14. And hence, Yahweh means, in some sense, I am. And so notice that his name is in the present tense. He says, I am. That is, he exists. He's present. God is. No one made him. This is it. He's self-existent, not created. I am who I am. He's independent. He's not dependent on anyone or anything. He will not change. His character will not change. None of his perfections may be added or subtracted, he can never be anything other than what he is today, for he is, is everlasting. And so to the question, who made God? You heard the question? Perhaps you have the question in your mind as well this morning. Who made God? Hmm. Is it Dawkins? Which God is this one? Well, believe in God, all these poor pathetic Christians. They have no idea. See, the question to who made God, the answer is God is. How else could we draw the depths, the mind of God? Right? He is. I am who I am. And God identifies himself as the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. He reminds Moses that he is the God of the covenant. By speaking of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You see, Genesis, this, is, this whole thing is connected, friends. There is a line of thought that's going through. There's a plan that is being worked through all through the scriptures. And you look at Genesis chapter, three, uh, chapter 15, 5 and 6. And he brought, that is, he brought Moses, uh, Abraham outside. And said, look towards heaven and number, and number the stars if you're able to number them. Then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. And he believed the Lord and he counted him, counted it on, to him as righteousness. You see, uh, just last week, I went outside to our backyard. It was a dark night. Um, in the night, I just looked up, up at the sky. And I thought, Chris, we should be doing this more often. We should be stargazing. 
look at the stars. Look at the handiwork of God. I was again thinking, wow. You know, how many of us actually take time to look at the beauty of God's creation? <laughs> it was magical for me. Just being outside and looking up the stars. You see, God is saying to Moses, you can't number those stars. But you're, I'm, you're going to have a people coming after you that's going to be so numerous. And then, Genesis uh, 15, then the Lord said to Abraham, know for certain that your offspring will be sojourners in a land that is not theirs, and there will be servants there, and they will be afflicted for 400 years. <laughs> right? And then verse 14, what happens? What does God say? But I will bring judgment on the nation that they serve, that's Egypt, and afterwards they shall come out with great possessions. The point is this, Moses, remember, I'm keeping my covenant promises. I've dealt with Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. They had a relationship with them. I stand behind you, Moses, and God's, and, and my people, just as I did with your forefathers. You can trust me. Do we? This morning? For God is bigger than us, right? He's bigger than all our problems. He's bigger than everything that we have and all that we are. I'm not, see God is saying, I'm not some man-made God, some Deus or Baal or anyone. No, I am who I am. You see, God has not concealed himself. He has revealed himself, friends. Yet he has, for example, shown his handy working creation. See, Genesis chapter 1, in the beginning... God created the heavens and the earth. Everything God. And so Romans chapter 1 verse 20, Paul picks up on a theme where he says this, For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. So they are without excuse. So people are without excuse. Why? When they see creation, generally speaking, what do we see? Somebody who has created it. Out of nothing. And when I look at your own lives, our lives, right now, has God not created a masterpiece in each of us? <laughs> Unique individuals? No one is like the other person. Every one of us has a different thumb uh, imprint. Every one of us has got a different eye uh, structure. Because if you go into, um, into the airports, you know now they've got these electronic systems that they zoom into your eyes and they see that it matches with your passport. No one else has the same structure. God has created us. And so is his invisible attributes. And in the Gospel of John, the Word became flesh. This same God has revealed himself. Now, in his incarnate son Jesus, whose birth we celebrated just recently. And so John says in John chapter 1, the Word became flesh. The miracle of the incarnation is that God is completed. Emmanuel, which, which means God is with us. How, friends? No wonder Jesus, as Ian read this passage from John chapter uh, 8 this morning. You see, the, the, the people were around and they were saying, You're demon possessed. You're not even 50 years old. I mean, how on earth, Jesus, can you say that you knew Abraham? You're a young guy. 
Abraham died long ago. Something is wrong with you. You're out of your mind, Jesus. What does Jesus say to them? Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. I am. I am there. I am the creator. Come down afresh now. The glory of God is revealed in me. I am God in the flesh. Before Abraham was, I am. Wow, what a statement, isn't it? What was their reaction? So they picked up stones to throw, throw at him. But Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple. And so these I am statements come out in, in, in Jesus himself. He says, I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the gate. I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection and the life. I am, we memorize this text so you should know this, John 14, 6. I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Right through me, Jesus says. See, I'm the vine in, in, in John chapter 15. You see, Jesus is God. God is with us. He is the one with the Father. He is one with the Father in worthy of worship and praise. And Jesus died for our sins. And so God has spoken. God has revealed. He has not concealed himself as you saw in that video clip. He has made himself known and continues to make himself known. And this is the God who holds your hand and mine in his hands. And as we enter, as we venture into 2016, do you know what lies ahead of you? Do you consult your stars, your horoscopes? I find it fascinating sometimes reading some of these, these things just for fun. I read them in the papers and think, boy, oh boy. <laughs> if only I was to live my life according to these horoscopes, I'd be a miserable person perhaps. Right? No, not perhaps, I will be. But you know, and I know that this God... This great I am is the one who stands with us. And he tells Moses, go and tell my people, I am with them. And now to us, he says, I am with you in my son, Jesus. Jesus says, I am before Abraham. Wow. So this morning, in summary, we have seen the call. Looked at the question by Moses. And God's answer to Moses. See, contrary to what atheists like Dawkins and others may say, God has spoken. He is not a hiding God. As uh, we saw in the clip, if you were to die, what are you going to say to God? Well, which God are you? Who are you? Well, friends, this is so important for us. If God was to call us home, where would you spend eternity? You know, every passing year brings new challenges and it's also a reminder. Rose and myself and the family, we visited my father-in-law. You know, we lost uh, my mother-in-law many years ago. He, he lives by himself. And, and uh, we looked through some of the, the albums. Uh, I had a lot of hair at the time as well. Now it's gone. My mother-in-law saw the photos there, brought back memories. We looked at albums in our home this past week for our children this size and growing up. And life is, is kind of changing. Is it not the case? We've got gray hair. Some of us have lost our hair. We got our aches and pains. 
life, life. What am I going to do in 2016? What would you have me do? What would you have me How can I serve you, the living God? How am I going to live life for 2016? So that when the call comes, I know that I'm going to be with my God, who is the I am God, who has spoken to me in Jesus. And at the end of the day, I don't care about darkness so anyone else might say, because I put my trust in you are my great and awesome Powerful, loving God, who has loved me with an everlasting love, who has lifted me up from the pit of sin and put my feet upon a rock, who has taken these lips who could not sing a hymn and praised Him, the God, my Creator, who has changed and transformed a lost life to someone who has found joy and meaning and purpose and vision in life. Are you driven by a vision or a passion, friends, today? What drives you this morning? Don't answer. You, you think about that. Alright? What drives you this morning? See, in Hebrews, we read this as we conclude, friends. You see, our God is infinitely wise. Without faith, it is impossible to please Him. For the one who comes to God must believe that He exists and that He rewards those who seek Him. See, the kind of faith God requires is defined in this text. This was, the, this was what defined the faith of Abraham, my second Jacob. It's the kind of faith God requires because God has designed us to know Him. He has designed us to love Him and to glorify Him. And this God has now spoken in and through His Son, Jesus, who is the I Am revealed in the flesh on that very first Christmas. And today we can know Him through His Son, Jesus. In Christ, brothers and sisters, friends... We are saved through his death and resurrection for our sins. In Christ, God is with us. In him, we know that no matter what 2016 may bring us, and none of us knows what lies ahead, we can trust him to lead and guide us. And finally, God did not create us in his image to be aimless, like lifeless leaves blown around in our backyard and front yard. He created us to be purposeful. To have a focus and an aim for all our days. And that is to live in relationship with him through faith in his son Jesus. By living for him. By enjoying him. You enjoying God? Tough question. How is your relationship with him? Enjoying him and glorifying him. How will we live 2016? How will you live 2016? I pray that you and I will trust this God, the great I am, the God who has loved us, the God who has provided for us, and the God who leads us every step of the way. That is the God that we trust, we love, and we want to obey. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we bow before you. Oh God, you are so majestic, so beyond words of human description. Lord, I pray this morning, if there is anyone here who does not know Christ,
that he or she will commit his or her life to Jesus. To those of us who know you, Lord, may we continue to trust in God, the great I am who I am. To trust in his son, Jesus. That we will live our lives with vision, with purpose, with meaning, enjoying our God and glorifying him. In Jesus' name, amen.